Well, hello, everybody. I'm live with Chris Larson Gould. This is Devin Trinantos. I got my, my Amanita Mysteria uh, beanie on that Isabella made me. Uh, she's over there on the, um, on the laptop doing what she's doing. Um, so welcome, Chris. Long time no talk, and I'm, I'm really honored to catch up, man. How you doing? Likewise. I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Right Coming on. from deep in the woods in Mendocino County. Awesome. Awesome. We're a little yeah. farther north in central Oregon in Bend. I dig the, the, the map you got there. Is that a, is that a topo of, of the area? Yeah, it is indeed. We've got a bunch of maps up in the house. It'd probably be too far away for me to zoom in very well but this is kind of our general watershed area of the area that we're in. Awesome. Um, we're 20 minutes outside of Laytonville, which is a little podunk town on the 101. Okay, okay. I know a little something about podunk towns. We were living in, um, in Weed, California for two years. Uh, nice. Uh, dude, yeah. what, a, what a trip that place was. Uh, yeah. I couldn't tell you how many people were there, like 200, 300. But um, wow! Have you, have you ever spent any time in weed? Not so much in weed. Certainly around Mount Shasta. Right, right. Interestingly That's enough, area. it is, dude. I I can't say enough about Mount Shasta. And yeah, I don't want to just talk your ear off about Mount Shasta, but I'll say a little bit because that mountain means a lot to me and. I didn't know that it would, you know what I mean? It, like not consciously, not like, I didn't like make a decision that it would, but here's a weird, here's a weird thread. So I don't know if I have it, I might have it. Uh, I did a retreat in Sedona, Arizona years ago mm -hmm. when I was like, I don't know, I was in UC Santa Cruz and I was trying to figure out what, I wanted to do with myself and like what trajectory I wanted to take and, you know, trying mm -hmm. to figure out like, you know, you know what I mean? Like how we all go through those periods of time um, when we're trying to yeah. make sense of our place in the world and so forth. And it just so happened that I found a group of kind of like fantastical thinkers and they were, um, they, you know, I, I love sci-fi and fantasy and I've always been into like, mystics and pseudoscience or, or things that I find to be really interesting, you know, and these people um, online, Bridget Nielsen is her name, and believe me, this has to do with Mount Shasta, so I'll bring it back to Mount Shasta, but uh, she, interestingly enough, is a part of the hybrid children community, if you've ever heard of this, there's a group of people that it again? hybrid, like, 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 like crossbreeding, hybrid, hybrid children, have you ever heard of that? No, I don't think so. So the people that are into hybrid children believe that they are the people who channel like like alien children. Uh, this is like a whole like you know subculture of the like I don't know what you'd say like the channelers or or the, that group of people. I. Am not very much of a joiner, so to speak, but I was intrigued. And uh, they had a retreat in Sedona, Arizona, that was called the Live Your Passion Retreat. 
And so I, I was like, yeah, sign me up, man. I'm living in, Shava, in, you know, in Santa Cruz, surfing every day, smoking, like not really excited by school or anything. So I went to this thing and they were all, you know, crazy if you ask me, but I mean, I think everybody's crazy. Yeah. But what I had, what I experienced was really beautiful. We ate really good organic food. We went on these walks together. We experienced Sedona. Have you ever been to Sedona? No, I haven't. Bro, you'd love it. The love it, the red rock of Sedona. It's a it's a real um it's a real spiritual place. It's like Shasta. It's uh it's yeah. a group of kind of hippie you know um like a hippie community, and so there's a lot of uh you know focus on health and spiritual wellness and all the kind of things that you're into if you if you aren't a real reductionist thinker I would say and so mm -hmm. the experience was really neat and we did these hikes and like these talks and circles and things that are really helpful if you're you know going through tough times and I certainly was and one of the yeah. things that we did was we uh did watercolors so we made two watercolors. Mm -hmm. We sat around and one um, of the watercolor uh, ideas was paint you as a child and then paint what you are now. And looking back mm -hmm. at what I made, it's kind of a trip. So me as a child, I don't even really understand what I what I did, but this is one of them. And I think it's like a, a like the like the energy inside me and then like the the spiral of it and, and evocative of like a seashell or something. So this was one of the ones that I did, which is like kind of, I don't cool. even know how to orient, kind of neat, right? Like the, the red and the yeah. yellow, like the, the, the emotion inside. And you know, so I thought that was cool. So that was the one I did. But the reason I brought up this whole weird winding story is this is the other one I did. And I wasn't under any kind of, you know, uh, influence when I did this and yet I find this to be an extremely powerful thing that I drew because then I went on to experience it so this was when I was still in the Santa Cruz days of college and then afterwards mm -hmm. I moved to Tahoe met my wife and then we together moved to Shasta and bro mm -hmm. look at this so this is a pyramid that I think evokes the idea of Shasta with the mm -hmm. energy connecting the rising earth to the to the heavens and then the the cyclical you know kind of dragon of lenticular energy that that goes around big mountains from from mm -hmm. you know prevailing weather systems and then like the toil and struggle of people in the valley i'm really proud of this i haven't looked at this in a long time check this image out cool isn't wow that neat? isn't that neat yeah. So that's you and as an adult? This is me as an adult. Totally. Very nice. Like all grown up. I'm sorry. Yeah, right? Right? So, yeah. so uh, we spent some time in Shasta and really enjoyed it. And now we're in uh, Central Oregon. And yeah. you know, I just, I made a decision to orient my life around skiing because I, I know it makes yeah. me happy and that helped me a lot. So enough about me. I'm, I'm curious. Because last that we palled around, I had understood that you had oriented yourself to organic farming and understanding farming practices and being able to work the earth 
in effective ways. Is that is that fair to say? Is that still the trajectory you're on? Is that one of your like like tell me? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I'll be farming for the rest of my life in some capacity. Um, we were last hanging out in 2015, I believe. And shortly after that time, my partner and I moved up to Portland. Okay. Uh, Portland, Oregon. And I got my first job in Portland on a licensed cannabis farm, which was pretty astounding in a lot of ways to have been well i mean i'd been kind of involved in the medical cannabis scene for some time and been a cannabis user and cancer survivor and cannabis has just been like this symbolic aspect to my life and so getting to work on a licensed farm for the first time it just the psychological impact of that was so profound and that's something i've really appreciated and so the last few years i've been continuing on with that that line of work um actually next week i'll be starting a job at a new farm which i'm pretty excited about outside of mendocino here where we're at um, with this really awesome older couple they've been involved in the community forever they basically started the emerald cup um yeah so farming i guess i was sort of led into farming and working with the earth through cannabis but my my passion certainly doesn't end with cannabis and we're living now on this 80 acre property off the grid with huge food gardens and orchards and chickens and um so really doing that whole off the grid living simply thing which is just feeling awesome that's beautiful man i wonder yeah. what your take is i mean you touched on it but it must have felt like a, a, a an unbelievable validation to have exactly work right to to find yourself in a in a in a in a organization that you know was legal was lawful was you know probably like profitable and like had a, had a good stigma where I know, I know, you know, because we're the same age, um, and I, I'm a cannabis user as well. Um, I've I've decided to uh, use tinctures predominantly, um, although right. I, I, I suppose I wouldn't ever turn down a you know a nice joint with a buddy, but like um, just for my own my own pulmonary uh, you know health and so forth. But uh, I'm a yeah. huge believer in cannabis as well, and uh, yeah, I think my point in 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 speaking to our age specifically is I think we're that interesting, that interesting generation where we've seen a real change in the, the cultural narrative around cannabis, haven't we? Um, you know, our, our, our parents yeah. have, have this kind of hippie 60s sensibility that then kind of got neoconservative and then kind of has become more liberal, but we kind of grew up yeah. in the prohibition era, didn't we? And kind of all right. maybe, maybe were introduced to cannabis from kind of a black market and like, counterculture and kind of like almost criminal enterprise. And then I think a lot of us who've stuck with it over the you know last two decades have realized, wow, this is this is not like a thing that I'm doing for anybody else. Like this is not something that like, you know what I mean? It's not an image. Like I'm not going to party because of cannabis. I'm not going to try to like pick up chicks because of cannabis. I'm doing it because like my neck hurts or because I want to relax or because I'm dealing with something yeah. psychological that 
I need to be able to stop my negative, you know, thought spiral to like be able to look at from a different perspective. And I know the cannabis has been an unbelievable utility to me. And uh, yeah, it must have just been an unbelievable, uh, I don't know, like transformation, sensation, experience to find yourself like legitimized. Like, is that is that fair to say? Yeah, when you use the word validation, which I totally agree with. And that's something that in the last couple of weeks with this, this whole statewide shutdown, they've declared cannabis businesses as essential businesses. And so I've been feeling that's that validation insane. again. Yeah, so it's like the entire world is shutting down and yet the state governments have said, at least here in California, that a cannabis business is just as essential as the pharmacy and the grocery store and the gas station. That's and awesome. so talk about validation, like, yeah. And that's like, I'm really, yeah, I like what you said about your own personal experience with cannabis. And for me, it's like cannabis sort of brought me, it gave me this reverence for the earth, which includes all of farming, which includes all of the creatures of the earth, all the other humans, everything, right? And so that's what draws me to working with that plant in particular is like, how do I share that reverence that was brought to me with other people? And I feel like it does that. And in this time of like a dire climate situation, I think all of us could really use a deeper feeling of connectivity with the earth and so that's kind of what i strive for that's beautiful man that's beautiful i i i uh i've i've felt similarly um i've never grown cannabis outdoors to any great success uh probably just from ignorance but i've grown indoors a couple times and my experience has been an awe an awe mm. of life in the same way that i think people feel about having children I, I certainly don't know that because I'm not a father, but certainly in the same way that I felt with, with raising animals, like I, I, I think that that's such a beautiful sentiment, man, to, to have had the experience of seeing something that you recognize has improved you, right? Like has like given you a yeah. respect for something that's bigger than you, the earth, right? It's bigger than all of us. It's, it's our mother, right? It's like the reason why we're here. It's what we come from and what we go back to. And, and weirdly, right, there's this plant, and it's almost like culturally we were, were, were meant to or were, you know, desensitized from the magic of plants. I mean, plants are magic, you know? And I think that cannabis is, is one of the, if not the most accessible roots to that, to that, that, that magical appreciation, if you will. And so I'm, I'm really stoked right. to hear you say that. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've struggled over for years, man, with my relationship with, with cannabis because, uh, you know, I, I knew it was powerful and I knew it was effective and it took a long time for me to kind of ground myself enough to be able to mm -hmm. use the plant in a way where I was still stable, you know, socially, interpersonally, intrapsychically. Right. Yeah. Where, I, where I could not flip out other people and I could, like, I could like show what I've been given of value and like in a, like a take it or leave it way, in a like way where I'm like, hey, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm, not, I'm not trying to get converts. I'm not 
I'm not selling anything, you know, but like, Hey, you know, I have back pain too, or I, I am stressed out too, or I get headaches or whatever. Like this works great. You know? So, um, I just think that's such a neat thing and weirdly, right. It in some way is, is hyper relevant to the situation that we're going through now in that everything that was business as usual has stopped, right? Because there's a viral enemy that doesn't give a shit who we are, where we're from, et cetera, et cetera, right? So there's instantly a brotherhood, a fraternity, a commonality across the entire human species, which is unprecedented, right? Like, I've thought in the past, I think because like somebody had told me or the idea had, had gotten into me somehow of like, you know, all of this divisive bullshit would end really quick if like the aliens invaded, you know? Well, yeah. fucking A, that viruses are aliens, right? I mean, they're an alien life yeah. form and they've invaded. I mean, they've, they've made the jump from bats to humans or whatever, right? So what an interesting thing that we find ourselves in where instantly we're all on the same footing. Doesn't matter how much money you have, doesn't matter what your profession is, we're all under this common threat. And weirdly, it, it, I feel, demands that we reframe our priorities. And I would contend yeah. that you've already done that. Mm, yeah. Well, that's right. nice to hear. I mean, I'm certainly just one day at a time on my own path, right? But uh, yeah, and I mean, this, this viral situation we're in all of a sudden to me hasn't felt like a shock i feel like my entire adult life has been spent learning about how fragile our system is to begin with and whether it was infectious disease or you know crop failure because our entire food system is based on one plant the corn plant like there's so many options i've been learning about my whole life as to why the system was gonna fail at some point. And here we are experiencing the system failing. And so I guess, I don't know if it was any sort of foresight, but I've just spent a lot of my life trying to live in a way that didn't depend on that system because I felt like I was seeing through that fragility. And like, you know, I've even been thinking back to our work with One Earth Designs, like, there you go. How do you cook food without depending on the propane company? How do you, all of it. So. Well, and your, um, your filter systems as well. You, you, you totally seem to have walked the walk with respect to the understanding that, you know, big infrastructure, big business, big government or what, or what have you without being political is not the move. And that, sustainability and you know innovation and um you know understanding at a high level um that is to say at a a deep level is 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 the way and i i mean my my hat's off to you you know although i do like that uh you know my you have my respect in that you seem to be a shining example of somebody who has educated themselves as to how to be a part of that solution and I think that's beautiful, man. I think that that's something that, I mean, I'm certainly honored to be able to have the conversation and hopefully have people watch this video because um, I, I too have had a similar 
you know, revelatory understanding of the importance of autonomy, the, the importance of personal sovereignty, the importance of, you know, educating oneself and like, you know, not relying on, on things that are, you know, potentially corrupt or corruptible or, you know, so on and so forth. But I certainly haven't made the jump to being, you know, kind of a magician of the earth in the way that you are. And I don't mean to say that in some woo-woo way, but, but, but in a way where you're actually using your hands and creating these things. The, 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 the trajectory that I've taken since our work with, with One Earth Designs, which, which was equally impactful to me, um, and, and I'll talk at length about that because I want, I want the people that are listening to know what we're talking about, but I've kind of gone towards a, a deep desire to face the corruptibility in myself, the, the, the demons that I have that would allow me to be co-opted for things that are not in the best interest of the earth and, and, and our fellow man. Because I, I would contend that we all have that. It's not that there's good people and bad people, right? We're just all people. It's just, you know, like money's a bitch, right? And, and you know, and, and, you know, there's a lot of things that can make us take, you know, make us make incorrect choices. And so I've kind of gone towards trying to strengthen my body and work really hard on my fitness. I mean, that's been a lot of a, a large component of my mental health is, is you know, learning how yeah. to be physically healthy and mentally healthy. And, um, and I've tried to make that really a foundational focus of mine and as well to connect with, with what I feel is primal and primordial and foundational that the earth in, in the way that I'm most comfortable and exuberant and jubilant. And that is skiing and, and skiing is yeah. really, is really truly an experience that I have and that I'm, that I'm blessed to have that makes me feel in my bones and my blood how absolutely improbably fantastic life is right like the joke that i say when i'm like when i ski a good line and there's somebody there it's like if i had to explain skiing to an alien right like mm -hmm. to somebody with no context i would it would make no sense right there's right. these there's these right. parts of the thing that we live on that are really tall and there's this, there's this element that can be in all these different forms. And we fly down these big things with, with, with swords on our feet. And we, right. Right? And there's, and, and we use rhythm and, it, and it, it's effortless and it feels really good. It's like, it, wouldn't, it, doesn't, there's, it doesn't make any sense. And yet it's something that has given me a, an unbelievably deep reverence and respect for the earth. So that's been my trajectory. And I'm, I'm a bit ashamed to say that it hasn't, really helped that many people in the way that I feel like maybe being, you know, a productive farmer or being, you know, a steward of the land does, but I've certainly started to work towards becoming the archetype of somebody that is more helpful with that knowledge that I contend to have. And that's been, I've taught ski lessons this year, you know, I've ski patrol for, for several years. Um, yeah. I, and I got a job coaching ski racing for, for high school cool. kids. Um, and so I've been really blessed to be at that point in time where in the same vein, I feel like you, you, you say, and, I, and I, I believe it's to be true, that you've been validated from taking the course that you have in, in, in seeing the value, right, for others, right? Mm -hmm. I, I've started to, to realize that. And I think, I think a lot of that, too, is based on our age, right? Because we're that age, that 33, 34, 
where we're kind of now adults, right? We're just kind of transitioning into that, like we've learned the lessons and now it's like time to walk the walk, right? Um, uh, but um, I wanted to, I want to speak on um, One Earth Designs really quick because I think that that was a real catalytic part of, I mean, certainly my development and, and I imagine yours too. Um, anybody that's not sure. familiar, please go check out One Earth Designs. It's a company, One Earth Designs, and they have a product called Soul Source. And the Soul Source 2, or is it Soul Source? Um, I don't know what the sport. The Soul Source Sport. And when we yeah. were a part of the company, I believe that we were a, a part of the evolution from the original design. And and again, for people listening, we grew up with a with a young lady who's brilliant. She, uh, I knew it back in middle school, uh, Catelyn Powell, and she, I mean, she's lectured at Ivy League schools. I mean, she's a, she's a very brilliant young lady. And she had the, the foresight to, in her travels, develop a product that cooks food with no input of energy other than incident solar radiation, right? So it, it's, a, it's a parabolic dish reflector. It looks like an upside down uh, umbrella and it focuses all the solar radiation to a point, and you can put a pan on it and cook. And I was working in recruiting at the time in downtown San Jose and making money, man, making bucks, right? I was, I, was, I was killing the game. And, you know, while you're sitting in a sales job in corporate America, you have a lot of time to, you know, browse the internet and make connections and LinkedIn and so forth. So what Catlin was doing when I was in that position came to my consciousness, and I was immediately intrigued because I saw what a beautiful line of, of thinking it was, how innovative to come up with a way to cook. Yeah. We all cook, everybody cooks, right? Uh, without doing any environmental harm and so forth. So we worked for the company for a time and I feel like what I was in small part um, concert to was the original design was large and bulky and a little bit unruly. And the, the second design that we all kind of were, were uh, a voice of that needed to, needed to be developed was a more compact, portable version. And, uh, you know, I, I know that they're, they're doing wonderful things. You know, uh, the company's been on Shark Tank. They, they, they got a deal with Mark Cuban, the, the biggest shark, for God's sakes. Yeah. Um, I know that Norway has been a big receiver of the product and the, and the company and the company mission. So um, for me, being around that kind of progressive thinking and not politically progressive, but, but existentially progressive, right? Progressive in the sense yeah. of like species survival was really right. wonderful and felt really encouraging and uh mm -hmm. yeah man i i kind of took that experience that energy that i got from that and and ran with it and for me you know nice. i had to face my own um you know demons and and overcome the things that i had in my life and and i've been working on that for a long time but i'm i'm honored to yeah. say i'm happy to say that I've been able to come to a place where I feel really stable, really grounded, really happy with the life that I've built around myself and, and with what I can offer to others as a low level emergency medical professional. So I'm an EMT and I'm working on becoming a paramedic. So if somebody's hurt, 
Right. I've listened to hundreds of hours of lectures. I've, I've been educated by very intelligent people about how to help that person. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm really good about that, right? Um, yeah. You know, part and parcel of working on myself physically has been I can help somebody if they need help, you know? And uh, yeah. I really feel good about that. And I think that it's all connected in the way that I came to One Earth Designs from a really soulless, in my experience, corporate America where I was in recruiting for agencies and it was all just about making the next deal and you know making money and then I sit yeah. down with Catlin at a, at a cafe and she's just got ideas you know and so I, I've been kind of more interested in dealing with ideas than dealing with mm -hmm. money since then and that yeah. was that was what seven years ago something like that five years ago that was like 2014 2015 so yeah Six years, five years. So I encourage anybody listening to check out One Earth Designs. They're doing awesome things. And uh, yeah, I, I think that it, it, was a, it, was a, it was a very helpful experience for me and something that I hope, I hope to continue to use in my life, the, 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 the wisdom from that moving forward. Um, and in short, it's been to, to follow my passion, figure out how to use that passion to bolster myself against my own inequities and my own wickedness and my own immorality and my own, you know, um, capacity for evil and, and, and strengthen myself, you know, against the, the, the tides of fortune and then move forward positively in the way that I'm challenging. You know, I can be a really difficult personality type. I don't, respect authority as a rule. And so how could I integrate those personality components such that I'm a helper, such that I'm yeah. somebody that, you know, younger people can look to for help. And it's been that I've yeah. become a coach and I've become a, a trainer and I've become, you know, an emergency medical per, uh, professional. And so I'm really honored to share that story. And it, it's interesting because we're on different trajectories, right? And yet, I think there's a lot of commonality there. I think that there's a really, a, a very strong common thread. And I'm interested yeah. after that diatribe to hear your thoughts. Totally. One, I mean, I'm kind of thinking about, you know, you were describing yourself in this modest way as being a ski coach and a ski instructor and an EMT and these things, which, to me, like the fact that you're bringing kids out into the woods onto the mountain is huge. When I was 16, I took an outward bound course and that's still been one of the most profound aspects of my entire life. And it was these older people who took us out into the woods onto the mountain and showed us conquer your fears and develop a relationship with the planet we're all on that were some of the most profound and worthwhile things I've experienced. So don't sell yourself short, Devin, like that's some crucial work. And kids these days, you know, like we were living up in Portland for three years recently. And every single day we would drive by basketball courts or like the, the local park and you don't see kids outside. And it's the weirdest freaking thing to not see kids outside. If anyone was playing basketball, it was dudes my age and older. 
And so like even way more now than ever, getting kids out into the actual world, from my perspective, feels like some really crucial work. So I think you're doing something amazing and I would keep doing that. And uh, it also kind of made me think of like the whole Wim Hof thing. I don't know if you know Wim Hof. Bro, we went to, <laughs> we went to the seminar in San Jose. Cool. I took so, it to the villa. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, but just, I mean, Wim Hof's whole thing is like, look, you can survive in the cold with nothing, right? And it's those kinds of experiences that get us out of our comfort zone and that are going to help us create a better world. Because we're all so reliant on this crap that hasn't been serving us. And so you show a kid that they can climb the top of the mountain and be in the cold and maybe even get lost and that everything's okay because we're humans and like we have innate abilities to survive. So giving that knowledge to kids, I think is huge. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I, uh, I've, I've gone down that rabbit hole as deep as humanly possible, at least as, you know, yeah. I think it's very deep, let's say, in the sense that um, I went through a L1 compression fracture, uh, about five, six years ago. And interestingly enough, it was the mm -hmm. same body part that my, my father had injured when he was about the same age. He had a, he had a um, fusion surgery. And it was that experience that really brought into my forefront the importance of exploring my own capacity to heal, my own capacity to mm -hmm. you know, deal with, with, uh, with pain, with, with uh, you know the, the the difficulties that I was having, and Wim Hof was one of the one of the things that I found in that time. Uh, um, well, did, did a lot of the breathing, uh, do a lot of cold showers, um, and then uh, took took my wife to the experience. I have a video of it on YouTube. Uh, it was cool. They 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 teach everybody in the in the theater the breathing, and then we all do uh, an ice bath afterwards for two minutes, um, and that's nice. cool. And uh, the thread that has continued or the, the the part of that learning that has continued into bend where we're living uh is um i've uh i i i love to swim and so i in short order found the best pool around us uh in the apartment that we're living in and got a job there so i wouldn't have to pay to go to use the pool so i teach swim lessons there yeah. and it's, it's closed down now but uh you know, due to COVID, but um, I was working there for a time, and, and still am, I'm still employed by them, but uh, they have a beautiful sauna, big oh, sauna, cool. it's like 20 people, and in the same way that, that um, dealing with the cold uh, is a real transcendent experience, and if, if you don't believe me, you know, please, anybody that's listening to this, go check out Wim Hof, W-I-M-H-O-F, I don't know if there's two F or one F, but um, there's two two f so h o f f uh is dutch guy um extremely cool uh, teaches others how to use the, the power of conscious breathing to activate the body's innate abilities to deal with extreme environments cold um mm -hmm. and, and and hot interestingly enough 
So he doesn't talk yeah. a lot about the heat because he's kind of branded as the Iceman. Uh, but I've used what I've learned um, in my own you know, life and then you know, from, from listening to him and, and what he has to say. And weirdly, the sauna at Juniper Swim and Fitness has been, for me personally, an extremely magical place in that almost every time I've gone there, and I've gone there many, many times, I've gone there maybe 30 times, 40 times, I don't know. You know, I was going very regularly and, and staying fit and working um, and then using the sauna just as a rule, right? To, I would either do it before I would teach a swim yeah. lesson to get really loose, or I would do it after like a cardio workout because then I would go do a, a, a ice cold shower. And one of the great things about living in the Pacific Northwest is the tap goes fucking freezing. So if you ever do want to experience yeah. the benefits of a cold shower, if you live in Seattle or, or Portland or Bend, I don't know about Portland, but if you live somewhere with, with access to cold water, it's just wonderful, right? Like Tahoe is like that. So, um, yeah. you know, I always knew I could take a nice cold shower at the gym. But my point is, mm -hmm. every single time, or just about every single time, I would go to the sauna, I would have these really beautiful conversations with people. And not just like, how you doing, you know, care about you, love you, nice to see you, you know, not just sweet connecting conversations, but like these like challenging, like mm. Greek drama, like let's, let's put our ideas out there to allow them to, 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 you know, come up with better ideas, kinds of conversations. And bro, it was a rule as opposed to the exception. You'd have these real nice. smart people showing up and, and I, I've tried to understand it and I'm not one given to thinking that things are coincidence because I, uh, I really gained a lot from, from the conversations that I would have from going in there and in seeing people's, and my own, of course, included biases and preconceived pre notions about themselves or others or their feelings about, you know, an occurrence yeah. that had happened. And um, I just felt like that was my experience of the, of the proverbial town square that I think we've lost, right? In the same way where you're saying you're not seeing kids yeah. out playing, right? The, 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 you know, the community, you know, playroom, I think we've kind of lost yeah. the community, uh, you know, battle of ideas, right? Because it's really important, yeah. right? Like we can all be fellow citizens and disagree viciously with one another inside of the sacred space of debate or discussion or argumentation. Yeah. And I, I find that to be really wonderful when I can fiercely disagree with somebody and, and, and love and respect that person. Like, like yeah. say like, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 le yeah. and leave that conversation with a deeper level of respect for that other person, whether or not we, mm -hmm. we agree on the issue at hand or the, or the idea that we've presented. And I think that that's been a real great part of my evolution as a person recently in the last few years mm -hmm. is understanding the difference between ideas and, you know, and, and human value, right? And like, and like existential, character right like and it's helped me a lot because it's allowed me to have like political discussions and environmental discussions and discussions about you know 
pharmaceutical drugs and, and recreational drugs and this and that and the other thing, all these really hot button issues that I feel like we've been as consumers of media made to feel like are threats to our person if presented in a certain frame. Now I have the tool set to be able to say, I'm here and you're there and that's cool. And now I want to be able to articulate something and I'm interested in your take on that thing. And, and, mm -hmm. and, and I think part of that has been understanding, I mean, okay, here's a weird thought and I, and I wanna try to articulate it for you. I've learned in the last few years what space is, what sacred space is furthermore. Uh, mm -hmm. A, 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 a trite way to say the same thing is a bowl is important. A bowl is useful because of the empty space in the bowl. Right. And in the same way, I've learned that if I'm strong enough physically and, and mentally and you know, spiritually or, or emotionally to be able to hold space, then magic can happen in that space, right? A person can learn to speak. A, a kid can face their fear and challenge themselves. Another person can argue with me or say, you know what, that thing that you said, I, I have this other experience and I, you know, that doesn't yeah. line up with my experience and I want you to hear you know, what I have to say. I've learned what space is and it's been yeah. an extremely transformative part of my life and I wanna continue to explore that faculty right. and people that really inspire me and, 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 and I look up to have done the same. And, uh, right. um, yeah, man, I, I, oh, uh, so much, I'm sorry. That's so much. Oh, I'm just thinking how like those interactions are so much more easily facilitated when we're in person with each other. Right. And the second we get onto the internet, it feels like that just kind of goes out the window. So how do we figure out how to do that? I mean, maybe you and I are doing this right now. Yeah, we're doing it right now, like, right? How do, we, how do we take that empty vessel, especially now that we're all stuck at home, and actually have conversations with each other? Because that's my issue with the internet, right? Is like people don't seem to be able to listen. And it's one thing to disagree where you're still actually absorbing what the other person said and it's entirely a different thing to just immediately write that other person off because some light bulb goes off where you're like oh they're in that other camp that i'm, I'm not in that camp i'm in my camp so i feel yeah, like that's I, something I, we can all brainstorm like I, how oh, do we strengthen I'm that i'm sorry oh i was just saying how we can all brainstorm like how do we strengthen that ability in ourselves and as a collective to actually listen to each other and actually communicate which i feel like is what you're describing yes sir i i have seen more recently evidence of civil discourse than i ever have on the internet and yeah i think that a common enemy makes for unusual friends, right? I mean, I, right. That, that's my attempt at a profound, you know, quote, but like, yeah. I think that in these times, I would contend that you'll see more and more 
people creating digital community. And yeah. uh, I wrote a post on it, uh, about it on Facebook. I've seen a lot of different takes from interesting thinkers that I respect very, very much on this COVID thing. One was COVID as Koyana Scotsi. You ever heard of that word? Say it again. It's, I don't know, it's like a, it's like a um, I couldn't tell you the, the, um, the origin of the word, but it's Koyana Squatsy. I'm gonna spell it K-U-Y-A-N-A-S. I, 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 maybe it'll come in uh, backwards on the, on the camera. Yeah, I gotta write it backwards, but it's totally okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there's a neat movie of the same yeah. name. It's kind of like a documentary, and what it means in its native language, and I, I do not know the language, is life out of balance. And so I've heard people comment mm -hmm. on the idea that because we've become in 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 um, in a way that you were talking about earlier about kind of reliant on things that are not serving us, right, and, and unbalanced towards things that are maybe illusory, like like advertising or, you know, the idea of, of material wealth or all this shit that's not real, right? That's not based on what is, you know, tangible and life-giving that now, you know, the biological world is fighting back. And we are fucking kidding ourselves if we think the biological world can't just snuff us out in an instant. Absolutely it can. And I think that part of right. my wisdom from, from skiing, and, and I'm sure your wisdom from working with the earth, is you realize the depth of power that Mother Earth has. We are, we are but a tiny, you know, flea on this giant organism, you know? And if we can, you know, not fuck up the organism too much, maybe it'll let us, you know, suck blood for a little bit. But to, to mistake the idea that we are in control is a real dangerous proposition. And I think that this is bringing that into very clear, you know, um, resolution that all of these things, these, these yeah. abstract ideas that we think are real, like the stock market and, you know, um, uh, you know, production, you know, uh, uh, rates and so forth are just not relevant. They're not, they're not, uh, as you say, um, uh, necessary, or I forget the word for, um, for, for industries that are, uh, indispensable, but, uh, um, oh, yeah. What's um, what 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 do you call? Uh, it? Now it's it's escaping me too. Uh, essential. Thank you. Essential. Right. We, we, when when the biological world is coming in and attacking us physically, it brings really clearly into the forefront what's essential. And interestingly, it's growing plants that help people. It's you know taking care of our physical bodies. Right. And weirdly, to the to the conversation that we're having. It's, it's remembering the importance of community and conversation and the sharing of ideas. We're this weird thing, right? Where as biological organisms, we have this abstracting capability. We have this capacity for meaning. We have this ability to live in an extra dimension, the fourth dimension, right? The dimension of time. The dimension where we can look into the future and look into the past and make plans and so forth. We're not, we're not a unthinking organism in the way that we can do that. Well, what's, the, what's the, the value of that? Well, the value is if, if we all can do that together, then maybe we can make the future the best it can be, right? Maybe we can improve our, our planning capacity as a function of us all working together. So what I'm seeing is really intelligent people 
learning in the base of their being the importance of connectivity. And in that sense, I think the popular argument that we've all heard uh, that social media is evil and it makes us all feel bad about ourselves and it's ruining the, the youth and it, it's this popularity contest and, you know, it, it, it's, this, it's this dopaminergic, you know, hijacking, and, and, which is probably all true, is not the whole story, I would contend, because it's also this manifestation of our innate connect, connectedness. And it's this ability to use this kind of hyperdimensionality where arguably we already had it, you know, in this Tesla and like Nikola Tesla-esque re- revelation where, you know, the earth is a perfect conductor. And, you know, if I think something, then people that are connected to me have that same idea. You know, there's a lot of ideas that I hold to be at least worthy of investigation, but are almost yeah. beside the point that we've built an infrastructure as a species that uses these capabilities of the earth and we all have access to it. Like no matter where you are, because of the fact that the first world has risen almost everybody out of poverty in the world, or at least at the very least, not to make any light of poverty in terrible places in the world for, for humanity, is rising the, the, the human species out of poverty faster than it ever has been risen. Um, there's a book and I haven't read it, but uh, called Better Angels of Our Nature by a, uh, by a Harvard intellectual. Um, and, and he points to all these metrics of the, the current day and age as being really wonderful. We're having, you know, less war, you know, there's like, uh, we're having, you know, the, 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 the um, infant mortality rate in, in Africa is what it was in Europe in the 1950s, which is a fucking miracle. Um, you know, less people are dying of starvation. We have enough food, you know, like all of these beautiful things. And so why I bring that up is to take a more positive view of the internet because Mm -hmm. what I've seen is my ability to interface with this magical thing that we have with respect to my own autonomy, my own sovereignty, my own genuine wish to be the best that I can be creates value for myself and others. And this conversation that we're having right now is, is an example of that. So yeah, man, I'm really hopeful. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to be reminded of the good news and the progress we have made. Right. It's not always easy to see it. Not if you watch the news, huh? No. I've been trying to limit myself even more than usual because that stuff is toxic. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I, uh, I, I'm sorry. I was going to say, can we take a two minute break? Of course we can. No sweat. Let me pause and we'll come right back. Sweet. All right. Later, right back. All right. We're back. Uh, I, I, I apologize, man. I feel like I'm talking your ear off, but, uh, I'm caffeinated. A. I'm already a man nice. personality type B. But uh, yeah, you're you're uh, you're getting me excited about some of these concepts that I think are really really interesting. But but what's on your mind, man? What what uh what what's uh what are you thinking? Because I'm interested to to um, play with some ideas that you find to be relevant or or uh, worthy of, of of conversation. Sure. I mean, there's there's so much going on right now in this collective thought arena it's hard to 
this past week, especially, it's felt hard for me to focus. And I imagine other people are feeling some of that too. And so I've been just remembering and trying to put into practice what helps me feel more in balance and feel more focused and all the things that I want to feel. And that can mean a lot of different things, but that's kind of what I've been working with recently is how do I take the context of this global situation and be pragmatic about it and not be overcome by any sort of fears and worries about it. And really that just comes back to like my daily routine. I need to keep a lot of what you talked about, about feeling good, about feeling healthy and vital. It's like, I can't do anything if I'm not feeling that way. And so to me, I'm just, this is another reminder of how important the daily practices are of drinking enough water and sleeping enough and eating healthy and doing whatever we all like to do. I've been doing a new kind of meditation that's felt really good getting my dog outside and watching her have fun because the world hasn't changed for her at all, you know? So that's kind of where I've been at this last week is um, reinforcing the good habits I was already working on and feeling like, you know, when a situation like this presents itself, it's an opportunity to, focus even more intently on those habits or to throw them all out, right? Like it's, I've kind of seen online, like a lot of folks on Facebook, like the memes about I'm still in my sweatpants and I'm drinking wine at noon. And like, I totally feel that, right? It's so easy to, to be overcome with this, this situation. And so I'm trying to remind myself like, I need to keep doing what I've already been doing and stay focused on what I've been focused on. And at the same time, like feel those feelings and not write them off because the whole world is engrossed in this uncertainty and this fear. And like, at least for myself, I definitely just pick up on that, whether I like it or not. And so, yeah, that's kind of where I've been at. Um, this week in particular, this this past winter over uh, most of December and some of January, my partner and I went to India and stayed in an ashram for five weeks, wow. which was just beyond incredible. And we were able to pick up a lot of new good habits and learned a new meditation and just felt like really rejuvenated from that experience. Tell, tell us about the, the meditation. What, 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 uh, what have you learned that, that has brought a new meditation to you? Uh, it, it's a particular meditation taught at this ashram. And it's, um, I mean, I don't think the style or the nuts and bolts really matter. I think what matters is finding what feels good for each of us and then doing it every day. Like that's what matters. And doing it every day despite the global situation and despite the news and despite however I'm feeling that day. Like to me, that's the lesson. And it almost doesn't matter. Meditation at this point in our culture is such a loose word. And I know it means a million different things to a million different people. And I think that's totally fine. You know, for some people it's art, for some people it's walking, for some people it's sitting quietly. 
it means a lot of different things. Um, but I think the key is it gets, it has the capacity to get us into a place where we feel more calm and we feel ourselves and we feel the things around us. And again, like it's the act of doing it that matters. It's the act of prioritizing that that matters. Um, this coming week on the 4th, April 4th, there's this huge global meditation happening and folks are trying to get as many millions of people involved as possible. And kind of the goal of this meditation is like, we've all been inundated with these worries and these fears around this virus. And I mean, I mentioned that it's important to feel those feelings, but we don't want that to be what we take away from this experience. And now we've kind of had this chance to absorb this and feel this. Now it's time to get back into creating the world we want to see, which is where we were at before this happened. And so, yeah, I would invite you, Devin, and everybody to join in. I think on the West Coast, it's around 7 p.m. on the 4th. Okay. And I believe there was a website affiliated, like global globalmeditation.org, something like that. I definitely know it's April 4th. Um, and I've been seeing events like this popping up more and more. And it's been shown scientifically, there was a great study done in the 70s in Washington, D.C. about the effects of group meditation. This particular study in D.C., it lowered the crime rate. They had a few thousand meditators and the crime rate in D.C. went down exponentially for that time. And so... I guess why I'm bringing this up is like, this is what I'm feeling personally is like, we, this virus has happened and it's making us feel a certain way, but nothing else has changed. And like, we all still have our duty here as creators of this, this world that we all create together to, to proactively go about that. And so sitting quietly and going within yourself and kind of bringing out what that looks like to each one of us is I think a crucial aspect of how we do that. I couldn't agree more. So, I think that's a big component of strength of character, right? Being, being animated from within. Right. You know, yeah. connected to yeah. one's own heart. One's own, one's own capacity for intuition and empathy, as opposed yeah. to you know running the programs that we've digested, you know from whatever you know blinking lights and loud noises we've consumed that day, you know. And yeah, I think that's so beautiful. I literally was writing down notes as you were saying what you were saying about group meditation because it it you know fractaled out a, a thought pattern that I had that I wanted to share with you, and that is. Um, yeah. Group meditation must, by, by, my, by my supposition, by my assumption, you know, open to interpretation and argumentation, uh, affect the world around it in the way that you say it limited or, or rather lessened crime by holding space, by creating space, by, by, by doing what we had talked about earlier. And uh, it made me think of the, the work uh, of Rupert Sheldrake. Have you heard of this man? I'm just kind of familiar, not 
not really read up on any of it. He's a very interesting scientist, uh, you know, PhD level thinker, uh, you know, in, in academia, but like any um, really pr profound uh, seeker, if you will, he's been um, shunned by the mainstream in the same way that like Graham Hancock has been, um, uh, if you're familiar with his work, uh, and Rupert yeah. Sheldrake has a TED talk that was banned. And so instantly oh, I was man. like, I have to watch it, uh, called um, The Science Delusion. It's very, very mm -hmm. good. He's very intelligent. He's not selling anything, um, but I wanted to bring him up because his work for years as a competent scientist is related to the concept of holding space in that his seminal work is the idea of morphic resonance. And oh, yeah. Have you heard about this? Uh, yeah, certainly. I'm not sure if it's through him or not. There may very well be a community of people working on it. I do not know, but I was brought mm -hmm. to the ideas of morphic fields, morphic resonance, morphogenetic um, uh, fields and resonance through, through him. And uh, that being said, you, if you buy that, and it sounds like you do because you've had the experience of, or at least are given to, to um, believing maybe from your own experience the profundity of group meditation, and I, I, I do as well. Uh, and, okay, so I literally wrote group meditation, holding space, morphic resonance, Rupert Sheldrake, and then I wrote manta ray. And I'm gonna tell you a story about a manta ray <laughs> because, it, because it, it, it makes the point. I, I was uh, years ago in um, Maui, uh, uh, I've, I've gone to the islands, uh, as I'm sure you have, uh, uh, as a California kid, right? And, and have a bit of a, a, a tie um, because my, my dad's brother lives on the Kona side of Hawaii. Um, so I've been able to go because of, of his, his life and work. But long story short, I was in Maui and we did a scuba dive on the backside of Molokini Crater. And the backside of Molokini is like a crescent moon. And the backside is a wall. So it was really super deep, like sheer, you know? So it's beautiful, yeah. you know, the, the, the sea life. So we're doing this dive and we're drifting. So it's a drift dive. So they drop you and then they go around the boat and you just flow towards them. Yeah. And the, the, the dive was capped by us moving slowly toward in the current, a giant manta ray. Bro, this manta ray, and I'm not exaggerating, was yeah. easy. Easy 15 feet wingtip to wingtip, maybe maybe 20. Yeah. Feet. A, a giant yeah. animal. In the same way that like if you're in a little car and you like go up to, up to like a school bus, you're like, that's a big thing, you know? We're going towards the thing and it's just giant, yeah. right? Bro, yeah. it, it moved in such a way that it recalibrated my concept of what efficient movement is. I, I saw and I felt in my chest grace mm -hmm. because this animal that's mm -hmm. got, you know god knows how many pounds you know thousands of pounds maybe you know certainly hundreds you know many hundreds of pounds you know giant you know mouth you know you ever seen the manta ray mouths uh you know they don't really have like a mouth like this they have like a kind of like a, a feeder you know thing yeah and they and it was filter feeding so it was staying right in the current right in the same place mm -hmm. and it's its wings were you know, 
processing the current, right? And it and it was static in the in the water column. And uh, it, in the exact opposite way, neurologically, that a person responds to like a shark, where you get that fight or flight yeah. sympathetic response, you know, um, uh, what is it, catecholamine dump, you know, of, of, of adrenergic, you know, norepinephrine and epinephrine adrenaline. I had a parasympathetic activation. Cool. I just, I was, I was, physically lulled by like the siren song of an, of an animal that was holding space. Wow. And I've had that experience yeah. one other time around whales and around dolphins. But here's my thesis. We're not the only animal that does that. Right. Hold, hold space. And uh, yeah. yeah, man, I think that meditation and, and being in the self and you know it kind of it kind of inoculates you from manipulation, and mm -hmm. the natural world has has shown me that. Like I, it's taken a long time to like digest it, right? To like make sense of it, yeah. put it in the into perspective, or like try to understand it. But I've 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 had the experience of being around space held, you know, and That's protected. Cool. And yeah, bro, yeah. that that was a beautiful experience. So I want to share that with you. That's awesome, man. I was lucky enough to go to Maui as a teenager and I had an incredible experience with a 15 foot man array in Maui myself. You're kidding. <laughs> no, we went, we weren't, I've never scuba, but we went snorkeling and they took us on a little boat to the next island over, which is one of the private islands. Um, was it Lanai? And we snorkeled. Could have been Lanai. I can't remember for sure. And we snorkeled around, and it was some good snorkeling. There were some cool turtles and stuff. But it was on the boat ride back. And all of a sudden, the driver just stopped the boat. And we're just sort of coasting through. And we're all looking at each other like, what's going on? And the driver's all silent. And finally, we all kind of realized, like, underneath the boat is this manta ray that's bigger than the boat. Wow. And it was just right there. And, like, this whole group of a dozen people... I would say like had a really exper similar experience to what you felt, just like this awe and calm and serenity from this animal that was just there, huge and completely peaceful. So that's trippy that we both had a relatively similar experience on that magical island. It's, it's, it's something that, like skiing, I don't know that I could articulate effectively, but certainly I've learned that strength interpersonally is gentleness, right? Weak people are mean. Strong people are nice, right? Yeah. The last person that you want to pick a fight with is the big, nice guy, right? You know what I'm saying? And... And animals, yeah. like whales and dolphins and manta rays, somehow teach us that, yeah? Because you feel it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so maybe, maybe somehow this, you know, threat to our species will bring into the forefront the relevance of interpersonal, you know, inter-idea, um, you know, certainly like interspecies, species, peace, mm -hmm. 
you know, because yeah. peace is strength, right? Like yeah. the ability to not feel threatened, right? The ability to perceive things as they are, as opposed to maybe as we are, as our fears would have us believe, you know? Yeah. And I'm, I don't contend to be any better at, at that, you know, concept than anybody else, but I, I recognize it as a valuable pursuit. And um, it's one of those things that I think you, you know, you feel in real time and is really healing and, and, and life-giving and, and, and um, serene and, and, and calm-inducing. And uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, here's, here's, a, here's a logical jump or a, or a you know, ideological bridge, and that is the idea of the unified field the idea of the mm -hmm. ether, right? The idea of there being a medium within which yeah. all matter exists. And right. I don't see why that's easily disprovable. I don't see right. why learned people, people that are grounded in you know, Western science can just cast aside the idea that you know, thoughts are things. Intention mm -hmm. is, you know, is, has an inertia, right? Mm -hmm. like, like all of these things that a manta ray just shows you, you know? And, you know, so, so I suppose to just bring it back to center, I think that in these times where there is, is a genuine threat to, to be not fearful, to be, mm -hmm. you know, the best that we can be is valuable, not only for ourselves, but for the entirety of, of the universe if you give any credence to the idea that we're all connected. And I certainly do. So that's my yeah. thesis, you know? I, I hope that we can all move forward in these uncertain and chaotic times where we kind of only have ourselves to hang out with, you know, under quarantine or what have you, to reconnect with our, our innate connectedness, the connectedness by virtue of the fact that we all have a beating heart and we all have a thinking mind and I think that there is a place deep inside where we go so, so deep that we come out the other side, you know, right. where, where we're all, where we're all one. So, you know, I, I, I dude, I appreciate your time. We've already taken, you know, like a, a couple hours. I, I, I don't want to hold you any longer than you have to be. So uh, I just want to say thank you very much for, you. for connecting man and, and catching up. And I, I hope we can get together. We're, we're certainly not that far apart. So on the other side yeah. of the whole COVID thing, let's uh, let's reconnect, man. Let's do it. Right on. I can't Love wait. It, bud. Thank you very much. Thanks, man. Yep. Peace out, brother. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna uh, put this up, and hopefully people will enjoy it. Sweet, man. Well, have a great day. You too. Later, brother.